Hey folks, Pastor Peter here. Welcome back to Between the Lines. This is part two in a multi-part follow-up series to the sermon that I preached on Sunday, February 18th, uh, regarding the sanctity of human life. Today, what I want to briefly address is a question that I get often, particularly around uh, election time, and that is this. How do I consistently vote pro-life? In other words, it seems to be if you vote uh, for a candidate that is advocating for the pre-born, Uh, He or she is not as excited about advocating for other people who are in need, uh, other people who uh, bear God's image and bear his likeness and could also use our love and our attention. On the flip side of that, if you vote for people who are passionate about the refugee and advocating for the immigrant, uh, the orphan, etc., typically, unfortunately, they're not always as uh, passionate about advocating for the pre-born. So it seems like it is impossible to vote for a candidate that is consistently pro-life. So I want to address that and uh, share with you some of my thoughts. First of all, I think the answer is this. You can't vote consistently pro-life. I've never seen a candidate uh, who is consistently pro-life from the womb to the tomb and at every aspect in between. I think the person who does do that best is Jesus Christ, and uh, he has not appeared on a ballot in any time recently. So Um, I think in general, it is probably impossible to vote consistently pro-life. We're always going to be voting for one people group and sadly against another. What I'd like to do is share with you why I think that um, the best, if you would, bang for your buck or the best, uh, the most effective way to vote for the sanctity of human life, I believe, is for the pre-born. And uh, that is for uh, a couple of reasons that I'll cover right now. So basically what I'm saying, once again is I do acknowledge that uh, it is typically impossible to vote consistently pro-life. Here's why I vote for the pre-born, even knowing, sadly, that that's going to have uh, perhaps a negative effect on other people groups as well. The first is the numbers. Um, You you just can't argue with the numbers. If we're going to attack an issue, if we're going to legislate uh, with regards to an issue, a human rights issue that is affecting people. There's not a single issue on God's green earth that has taken more lives uh, than abortion. Um, And these are people who are typically forgotten about and typically not valued as much or not advocated for because if you think about the way abortion is uh, reported on, it's either A, not reported on, or B, touted as some uh, advanced medical procedure or a great step for uh, human rights, uh, etc., when it's in reality um, the murdering of the unborn. And so if we say what issue has claimed the lives of more people throughout history, uh, there's just no question. The answer is uh, the atrocity of abortion. People tend to forget about that. Uh, Once again, like I said, because it's either not reported on or reported on in a positive light. um, And it's just different when you see people walking through the streets in a third world country or rolling through in tanks or people flying over third world countries and just firing bullets at people and literally wiping out entire people groups or with the want to wipe out entire people groups. That is heartbreaking. That is heart-wrenching. That's a sign of the fall and uh, the result of sin in the hearts of people. And it's absolutely positively terrible. With that, it never numerically, statistically, lights a candle to the amount of people who are killed as a result of the unborn. But we don't see videos of people being dismembered in the womb. We don't see videos of people, uh, we don't see news footage of people being uh, ripped out of the most safe place that a child should be in, and that is a mother's womb, so we tend to forget about it. So I advocate for the pre-born and choose to do that because I think you're advocating for the most amount of lives you can 
by casting a vote in that direction. Another thing that crosses my mind is I think when we declare the sanctity of human life from womb to tomb, it really has to start in the womb and move out from there. So, for example, if we start to say that people matter as long as they are of a certain race, a certain color, a certain age, and that age meaning outside of the womb, you know, born versus pre-born, um, it rare, you rarely look back. Once you draw that line in the sand, you don't look behind it. So I would like to draw the line in the sand from the moment of conception and say every human being uh, from womb to tomb matters. I think that it would be best to do our best to advocate for every person on God's green earth to show that they all have value and dignity and worth because they're all created in the image of God, regardless of age, regardless of socioeconomic status. And I think the best way to do that and the most consistent way to do that is to say it starts here. It starts in the womb um, and that a natural outflow should be, I'm not saying it has been, but should be that if they matter in the womb, they matter all the way up until the time of their natural death in the tomb as well. So for me, it's a numbers issue. Um, it's the fact that they're voiceless and invisible, uh, perhaps more than any other people group. We're just used to them dying. We're not upset about that. Um, and it is, uh, I think, most effective to have a consistent pro-life view or to move towards a consistent pro-life view to start in the womb and not outside of the womb because it's more natural to move outside of the womb than it is to declare value outside the womb and try to look back. So hopefully that makes sense. Hopefully that spurs on some thoughts for you to consider as to uh, who is worthy of your vote and which way to vote when it comes to declaring the sanctity of human life for all of the people God has created.